It's Tuesday, November 2nd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, the one and only Bill Mann. Thanks for being here. A little crazy out there, isn't it, Chris? It is a little crazy. We're going to get to the crazy. We've got a new stock index to talk about. We've got three stocks that are on fire, and two of them are in the good way of being on fire. <laughs> uh, we'll start with Avis Budget. Third quarter profits and revenue were both higher than expected because the demand for rental cars is up and they are charging higher rates. And anyone who has attempted or even just looked into renting a car this calendar year probably is not surprised that Avis Budget put up better than expected numbers. Now, having said that, <laughs> at one point this morning, shares of this stock were up 160%. As of this moment, it's now only up 90%. So we can start with what is happening with the stock, or we can start with the results. Where do you want to start? So I think we need to start with the stock. So it is currently, as we speak, $336 a share, and it has been as high as $545 a share today. So that means that technically Avis Budget Group is in a bear market. <laughs> From earlier this morning. <laughs> from earlier this morning. I mean, look, astounding results from them. I mean, a absolutely astounding results. They are generating, um, they're generating about $83 per car per day in, in revenues right now, which should tell you all you need to know about the pain of renting a car. Avis and Hertz, Avis did not go through bankruptcy last year. Hertz did shed a huge amount of cars. So they shed a huge amount of assets really in order to stay afloat. So you're talking about something right now that is still in a pretty substantial state of imbalance. There aren't enough cars. The chip shortage hasn't helped. But apparently, none of that matters for Avis, Avis's stock today because I'm hearing a lot, and, and, and we hear this a lot about there being short squeezes. I don't know if that's the case. But thir about 37% of the shares were, were held short prior to the announcement. I'm wondering, as I look at this and look at a five-year chart of Avis budget, which is very much looking like a hockey stick right now. <laughs> yes. Where you think this goes from here? Because even if they just run a better business, they run a more efficient business, does that justify what we're seeing with the stock long-term? Like, I just, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around I like even if you think this is going to be a much better run business going forward, it's hard to imagine buying shares at today's price. No, and again, we don't know what the price is actually going to be within fifty percent by the time people are listening to this. Right, it could it could emerge from its bear market you know, from from the bear market. It could go all the way back down, but it's a twenty two billion dollar company. Um, and it doesn't nearly make that much money. And as we know, we have it has massive amounts of capital expenditures uh, ahead of it. Avis is 
a much better run company, I think, than Hertz. Uh, they were talking a little bit about the fact that they want to be in the vanguard of providing electric vehicles in the in the in the rental market, and and Chris, there was some real shade that was thrown by the chief the CFO of of Avis today at Hertz. They said the reason you haven't heard from us about this publicly is because we like to execute on our strategy before we announce it. <laughs> that's some that's some quality shade right there. <laughs> I, I mean, I just don't. I, I, I don't think that this stock is 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 viable at in a in a market like today. You are you're risking an awful lot because anytime a stock goes up that much uh, and is that volatile, it is unhinged from its value. Under Armour's third quarter profits and revenue came in higher than expected. The company also raised guidance for the full fiscal year, and shares of Under Armour up fifteen percent. CEO Patrick Frisk gave a decent amount of credit to Under Armour's marketing efforts. Yeah, um, I'm. I have no reason to doubt him on that. Um, I, I'm still stunned by the fact that profits were double what Wall Street was expecting. I mean, this was a huge beat. It was a huge beat. They were double what the market was what was what was expecting. Importantly, unlike Avis, uh, which is now at an all-time high. Uh, under Armour shares are still at a small fraction of what they were in 2011 and 2012. This is this is a company that has had enormous marketing problems, enormous governance problems, enormous uh, issues with inventory control. And so I think maybe you're seeing the beginnings of a turnaround at, at Under Armour. I always had basically a rule of thumb for Under Armour is that I would be interested in it until it was one third of the size of Nike from a revenue standpoint. And currently, it's still only one seventh the size of its primary competitor. So there is plenty of room for for Under Armour to take additional share. Uh, I'm more interested in Under Armour than I am in Avis at, at, at these prices. You think back to the beginning of the pandemic, I think it was April of 2020, when uh, Frisk announced a restructuring plan. And I think, you know, lost in, look, again, these are great results. Mm -hmm. you throw in the fact that they raised guidance. I get why the stock is up 15%. But almost lost in all of this is that you go back to that plan that he announced basically 18 months ago, and it really looks like Frisk and his team stuck with their plan executed it and it's starting to be you know when you say it, it looks like the start of a turnaround it seems like the start of the turnaround that they ex you know announced 18 months ago is now starting to bear fruit and i think you're right about uh, you know where it can go from here yeah and and it's and and you really have to say that there is evidence that Kevin Plank, who is the who is the largest shareholder, the the controlling shareholder, and the chairman of the firm, who kicked himself upstairs, it seems like he's letting the team that that he brought in to do their work. I think he probably had some recognition that the things that were going wrong were because they were areas that he did not have skills in. So he's brought a very professional team in, and it really does seem... I mean, Under Armour was never an impaired brand, like never, but their sales strategy was was, was off, and evidence suggests that it is clicking once again.
Yeah, I've, I've said for a long time that the, the, the baffling thing to me as an Under Armour shareholder is they make good stuff. Yeah. which seems like it should be the most difficult part of this, making a quality product that is differentiated, that is better than the average product out there. They executed that. It was pretty much everything else that they screwed up. Right. Well, I, I, would, say that, I would say that they have, they have a pretty ironclad brand. Their yes. brand, and I think that in, you know, in, in footwear in particular, that's really, really important. Uh, they've done an okay job and an improving job with their celebrity tie-ins, their celebrity endorsements. Uh, I think probably having Jordan Spieth, you know, find his find his range once again and become an exciting golfer again has absolutely helped because they paid him an absurd amount of money for him to fall off the map for a while, which is unlucky. That's not that's not really on on them. But yeah, so it, it was it was a great quarter, and to me, it's a harbinger of bigger and better things for Under Armour. Shares of Chegg are falling 46% at the moment. It's kind of a lot. Third quarter revenue yeah. lower than expected. Uh, the online education company said that enrollment did not increase like they had expected. Um, this is, in some ways, the inverse of what we're seeing with Avis budget. So let me ask uh, sort of a similar question. Is, the, is what we're seeing with the stock, for lack of a better word, fair? Is it? I mean, is this a company that really is essentially should be worth half the value it was yesterday? Was it that bad? It was that bad. Okay. But I think there's so many companies, and Check was not really one that I that I was paying attention to this as being a potential for. So Chegg is essentially a a notes and textbook rental subscription. Company. So if you've got a if you've got a child in college or even in high school, instead of having lugging textbooks around, they will they will essentially rent the rights to to those textbooks and whatever additional materials from Chegg. So it's a it's a pretty neat should be a pretty low capital business. But they're saying that their business was artificially impacted, it, it benefited last year from COVID-19 as everyone came online. And now that people are going back to see, you know, to uh, studying in person, they've seen some softness in some of their revenue areas. I think probably the market was over crediting Chegg for the change from COVID-19. But I think from now, you're going to begin to see a steady improvement from Chegg going forward. I think probably this stock is 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 pretty undervalued here. I don't know what the catalyst would be, but I you know I think that we are I think we need to remember that in 2021 with almost every company we are going to be forgetting some lessons from 2020. So you don't look at what's happening with Chegg and think that this is an impaired business and a possible outcome for them, a, a much more possible outcome for them is now that the market cap is $8.5 billion instead of $16 billion, they become a likely target for acquisition. I, 
I don't. And they also announced that they're increasing their own buyback provision up to a billion. So that's 16% of shares outstanding at current prices. So so you would suggest that if they were making a, a futile gesture, that they're doing it with a huge part of their balance sheet. I don't think that's futile at all. I think that they, they recognize that there is an opportunity to shrink the amount of, uh, you know, the, the amount of shares outstanding to increase the amount of earnings that each remaining share uh, has. I mean, it's a profitable company. I think the shares were ahead of themselves, but I understand because, again, because of COVID-19 and we don't really know how we're going to come out of this. We're learning as we go. So for people who are shareholders of Chag, don't beat yourself up over over what's happening with with these shares today, and don't feel stupid because nobody really knows. It is it is important to remember that we are going through an unprecedented uh, event in terms of the pandemic shutdown and now the reopening. Last week we got the announcement that Facebook is changing its corporate name to Meta Platforms and. One of the immediate reactions in the investing world was, what about Fang? What about Fang? What about Fang? <laughs> Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google. What about that, you know, sort of shorthand? Um, and you like to help. <laughs> I'm a helper, yes. You I'm came to the table with a solution, um, an acronym for a collection of big tech companies, including Meta, Apple, Netflix, Amazon, Microsoft, Alphabet, NVIDIA, and Adobe. Yeah. Big Mano- consumer tech brand names. Menomena. Menomena. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I'm just waiting for the Under Armour marketing people to give me a call because this is genius. It is. You don't even have to. You don't even have to shoehorn the companies in. These are eight very, very important consumer brand names. Fang was dumb the moment it came out because they forgot Microsoft. And it got silly when it got silly when Google changed its name. So we internally were calling it Fanama, which I dare you to try and say without hearing David Lee Roth's voice singing in the back of your head. These are these are the eight bellwether American consumer tech companies, and I think that I we we consider ourselves to be tastemakers. Am I right? We're tastemakers. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think I mean, you could. It we, rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Manamana, who's who's topping that? Well, here's the thing, and I'm going to overlook the fact that you referred uh, to your idea as genius, um, <laughs> uh, because, because here's the th- here's the thing. You're right about this. Yeah. Like, like I, I looked at this, and after the initial you know chuckle I had, I looked at it, and because uh, you had posted this on Twitter, and I thought. No, I think he's right about this, in part because, as you said, Microsoft was left out of the equation, and now mm-hmm. Microsoft is the largest uh, you know, market cap company out there, yeah. um, but also because NVIDIA and Adobe increasingly, by virtue of how they have grown, um, the products that they create, the solutions they create, they have forced themselves into this conversation and should be getting more attention. Absolutely. Adobe, larger in market cap than Netflix. We don't talk about Adobe enough. It has been a long-term monster winner and probably probably the company that first invented software as a service. They shifted and became... I'm going to say this declaratively as opposed to, you know, as opposed to a maybe. They were the ones who invented SaaS. So an incredibly important 
company and it has been a long-term winner and i think that it you know as a bellwether Manamana makes perfect sense so jump on board chris i am on board bill man thanks so much for being here thanks chris as always people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about and the motley fool may have formal recommendations for or against so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear that's going to do it for this edition of market foolery the show is mixed by dan boyd i'm chris hill thanks for listening see you tomorrow Manamana. 